Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to spring in Michigan. Joyous out there, right? I heard uh, right before first service, people were like, man, we need spring. And I was like, you had spring already. That was last Thursday and Friday, right? We're on third winter in Michigan right now. So let's enjoy maybe, maybe summer's around the corner. Who knows, right? Well, welcome to Radiant Life. My name's Ryan. I'm the lead pastor. And this is a special Sunday because we've been prepping this Sunday for a while. We've deemed this Sunday Reveal Sunday. And if you're new with us, just welcome to Radiant Life. We've been on a, a journey together of what is God up to within our church? Where is the future of Radiant Life? And we've been on a two-year Coming Alive initiative. And if you have no idea what this Come Alive initiative is, you can stop out in the lobby. There's bags for you to grab. And this morning, we are revealing what our number of faithful commitments that have come in from you to say, over two years, above and beyond my tithe and offering, I'm going to dedicate this amount of money to the Come Alive initiative. You guys want to see what number it is? Wait till the end of service, all right? Hey, turn to someone and say, I can't wait. Can't wait. All right, hey, no, seriously, we're waiting till the end of the service, though, all right? Um, but we're on part three of Jesus Is this morning, and we've been looking at the character of who this Jesus is that we follow. And I want to begin this morning by talking about family, because family can be extremely blissful, it can be extremely painful. One of the greatest things about family is they're always there for you. Ironically, one of the worst things about family is they're always there for you, right? Families are unique. They're just different. Families, you go to family reunions and they're the ones who are all up in your personal space. They'll tell you, have you put on weight? Our family will say that. Some families, you just smell like a pretzel, right? It's just different. We got family smells. For others of us, they're... They're in our personal space, but also asking the questions are, when are you finally going to get married? Right? That's what families do. Oftentimes, families will also take that one last slice of pie that you hid in the back of the refrigerator just for you, and then you go hours later to get it, and it's gone. Right? And you're like, no. Is there anyone else that knows what I'm talking about? Okay, I'm not talking about my family at all. I'm just asking <laughs> if we do this. Family can be crazy sometimes. In fact, uh, theologian George Burns, actually he's a comedian, but this is what George Burns says. Happiness is having a large, caring, close-knit family in another city. <laughs> All, right? All right? Another theologian, Jeff Foxworthy, he says, if you ever start feeling like you have the goofiest, craziest, most dysfunctional family in the world, all you have to do is go to a state fair, you'll be going, you know what? We're all right. We're dang near royalty. <laughs> and then lastly, Pastor Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> says there is no such thing as fun for the whole family. <laughs> all right? Family can just be goofy, can be crazy, can be dysfunctional. But there's good things about family. Family can give us a place to belong, a place to feel at home. Family encourages us. They believe in us. And we just love sometimes just that thing of just, I'm going back home. But here's an issue with family and what we often do. 
I truly believe one of the greatest joys this side of heaven that we can experience is family, when it's working the way God intended family to work. But it can also, some of us can pursue the happiness and joy we get and tie it into our family. Some of us tie in our emotional stability into family. If you're not doing well, you look at your family and says, well, my family's not doing well. And you're not doing well, you may tie and say, man, if I just had a better marriage, I would be better in my life. If my kids weren't rebelling, I would be much happier in my life. And we often blame our emotional stability of happiness and joy to family. And this morning, I really want all of us to understand something. We look at other places and we look in the wrong places to find joy in life. For some of us, we say, if I just had that career, if I just got that promotion at work, that would make me so much happier in my life. I would be so much more filled with joy if I just got that career. For others, it could be, if I just had this house, I just need that better house, that bigger house. I don't need 2,500 square feet. I need 5,000 square feet to feel better about myself. And for many, we say, if I just had that, my life would be simpler, I'd be happier in life. For others of us, it's, I just need that Ford Mustang. I just need to trade in the minivan for something fast with speed. All right? But we'll find things, and if I just had that, just had a little more fun with my vehicle. And of course, this next picture, the day kind of ruins this next picture, but if I just kind of live there... <laughs> See, proof, happiness is found in things that we shouldn't find happiness in. What's our response? Oh, if I was there right now, right? But for some of us, we say, I just wish we can go back to spring break. I wish I could just get away, and I was just so relaxed, and I was happy and joy-filled on vacations, or if I just lived there. For all of us in life in general, we pursue happiness. We pursue joy in life, and there's nothing wrong with pursuing that. What's important is how we pursue it. And I want you to know this this morning, that true happiness cannot be found in anything unless it is first found in Jesus. The joy that you will experience in life, first and foremost, has to come from Jesus Christ. When you find joy in who Jesus is, you'll find joy in everything else. You know one of the reasons why I think we covet and we're jealous of other things, is it because we got a joy problem. We think things in life and material things are gonna fill our happiness and joy tank in our lives. It will never, it will leave you empty every single time. Your spouse, your girlfriend or boyfriend will never fulfill you. Your career will never fulfill you. You will only be fulfilled in who Jesus Christ is. Then the rest get put into place. Turn to your neighbor and say, gotta have joy. Tell your other neighbor, it's found in Jesus. You know, sometimes think of Christmas morning back to when you were a kid, right? That anticipation of opening that present, that joy when you just rip into that thing, that is temporary joy. How many of you actually still have all those gifts that when you were a kid? Most of that stuff finds the trash or the garage sale, right? Elast everlasting joy is found in Jesus. 
And we got to go there for our source of joy and not the things of this world or we will be forever searching for joy in our life that only Jesus can fulfill. So if you will, will you turn with me if you want to follow along to Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at a story this morning found in the Newer Testament in Luke chapter 2. And turn about two-thirds of your way through your Bible if you got your tablet or phone with you. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John, the four guys who write about the life of Jesus, will be in Luke chapter 2. And again, use the table of contents. You know why it's there? To use it. All right, don't be, don't be ashamed because you got to look at where in the world is Luke. So use the table of contents. And if you don't have a Bible, take one in front of you in the bench. That's our gift to you. We truly believe that this is God's word. It transforms the way we think and view life. So get it, take it home, gift on us, okay? Luke chapter 2. We looked at this portion of scripture, if you were with us, um, back in December. And we're going to look at it because I don't want us to miss something if we go through the Christmas story too quickly. But we know, as Luke said, that there's Caesar Augustus is, on the, is the empire of Rome, or the emperor of Rome. Rome is controlling almost a huge portion of the world in the ancient world at this time. And Luke says, hey, there's a guy on the throne by the name of Caesar Augustus who thinks he's the son of God. And we know the true son of God is going to be born. And a decree goes out saying, you got to go back home. There's a census. you got to go back home and register for this big census that's going to happen. So two people by the name of Mary and Joseph are going back to Joseph's home to register for this census. And we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 2, verse 6. It says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. I'm going to stop and give you a little nugget. We don't have time to unpack all that. But we know by what Luke writes that these sheep that are out there at night are actually for the sacrificial system. And ironically, who's going to be born? The true sacrificial lamb is going to be born in the midst of of what's happening out in the fields where the sacrificial animals are out at night right now being tended by the shepherds. Cool little nugget. There you go. All right, jumping in. Where are we now? Lost track. Oh, yeah, verse 9. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Am I right? Yeah, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you what, friends? Good news that will cause what? Great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with an angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. Verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord had told us about. So they, what'd they do? Two words, they... Hurried off. Notice they didn't just go slowly. They didn't just meander. They hurried off. Because when you know about who Jesus is, you got to go hurry and tell others about him. They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. 
When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them, told to them about this child, and all who heard it were what? They were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Because that's people's reaction when they hear about who this Jesus is. They're amazed. Here's what I don't want us to miss. I don't want you to miss Luke 2, verse 10. It is so key into revealing the nature of God and who Jesus is. Let me bring it up again. It says, I bring you, what again? Good news that will cause what? Great joy for all the people. This good news is in reference to the gospel, which is just mean the message of who Jesus is. This is written in Greek, and the original language uh, is written in Greek. This is where we get the word evangelism. If you're familiar with that with the churchy word, evangelism is from this Greek word, good news. It's the sharing of the good news. It's the sharing of who Jesus is. But what's interesting, it says, there is good news that will cause great joy. Not common joy, not almond joy, but Great joy, a joy that is different beyond all other joys that you can experience, that this news about who this Jesus is will cause great joy. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's great joy. It's great joy. I love what is happening here because this idea of good news. The angels didn't say, this is bad news, this Jesus is born. They didn't say this is absolutely terrifying news that this child is here. No, it's good news of who Jesus is. And there's a joy like no other. It will cause great joy in your life. I love, and we cannot miss that part, because joy and Jesus go hand in hand. You cannot separate Joy and Jesus. And what I love about coming together on Sunday mornings as a church body, as family, to come together is we could be the most joyful people this planet has ever seen. Followers of Jesus ought to have this great joy. You ought to be overflowing with great joy. Now I understand life happens. We hit a storm in life, we hit chaos. We hit divorce, we hit rebelling kids, we get hit with addiction, we get hit with debt. I understand that. But when you're in the midst of the storm, what are you focusing on? Are you focusing on life circumstances and saying, oh my goodness, the world is just crumbling down, I cannot take it, or are your eyes fixed on who Jesus Christ is? I don't wanna negate the storms in life. They're horrible. But my rest and, I fi- and my firm foundation is what Jesus says in the scriptures where he says, in this life you will have troubles. But Jesus goes on but says, but take heart, I've overcome the world. That's what I put my faith in when I hit a storm in life. That I know, God, you are bigger than this. There's, there's already victory on the other side. I just have to have this great joy in the midst of it. And some of us, we can be the most Hum, dumb people, none of us here, right? But we know people, right? 
that say they follow Jesus, but man, you just feel like life is caving in all the time. Life can't be that big. What are your eyes focusing on? Is it focusing on the troubles of life, or are you focusing on Jesus and the joy he brings? He brings you salvation. He brings you freedom. He brings you forgiveness and grace and second and third and fourth chances, and his mercies are new every single morning. What is your perspective, Radiant Life? Because it's so easy to get caught up in the storms of life. And the angel appears and says, no, 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 no. This good, good news, in your life it's going to cause great joy. Are you really experiencing great joy because of who Jesus Christ is? And if not, we got to change our eyes and what we're looking at. We'll keep searching for happiness in all the wrong places. I truly believe the answer to our joy problem is the gospel. If you have a joy problem, then you have a gospel problem. you got to tell your storms who your God is. Yes, life is crazy. Yes, life throws us curveballs. I get it, and it's horrible. But my eyes, God, may my eyes be fixed on you because you are the joy of my salvation. What are your eyes looking at? What are your eyes? Society tells us that God's just a big party pooper. Right? Cosmic party poopers, you know, happiness and God, they don't go together. You can't have fun in church. You can't laugh. You can't be joyful. It's not, they think God's the Grinch. Right? Like what? You're happy? Yeah, I'm happy. Doesn't freedom put you, or religion put you in a box? No, it's not about religion. It's about relationship with Jesus Christ. One of the things I cannot stand that I hear Jesus followers say, it's against my religion. It isn't against your religion. It's against your relationship with Jesus. Religion says, I'll put you in a box. Relationship with Jesus says, you're free. Here's parameters to live. you got to trust me with the parameters and guardrails that I put around you to live free. I put it there so you can experience life and have it to the full and have it in abundance. Man, the God who created the earth gave us five senses to enjoy it. The creator of God created humor. Right? I am sure Jesus had an awesome time with his disciples. Right? I just picture Jesus all the time playing kickball with his disciples. Like even as a young boy, like I, I'm assuming Jesus knows he's God about the age of 12. That's what I'm going to assume because that's when he knows he's in the temple. And, uh, but that's a whole other thing. But I imagine he's playing, all right, kickball with the boys. You know, I got my 12 disciples. We're hanging out. You know? And Jesus just goes and he kicks it and he just makes the ball stay in the air. Like right above the height of where the disciples can't reach, you know? And then he runs the bases. He's like, ha ha, right? But we think, no, Jesus doesn't do that. Every picture that we have of Jesus, he's this stern, stiff, white person. First of all, he's probably not white. He's Middle Eastern, so we got that wrong a little bit. Jesus is joy. And the answer to our joy problem is who Jesus is. We ought to be filled with the most joy that when we go into our workplaces and they know that you just dealt with the death of a loved one. They know that your marriage isn't the best. They know that people are gossiping about you, but every day you come in with joy on your face. Question, why is that? Because I know who Jesus is. Yeah, life's throwing curveballs, but my joy's not find, found in life circumstances. It's found in Jesus. Or with teens when you go to school. 
wow, you're failing this class and people make fun of you for that. No, that's all right. Because my God's bigger than all that. That's where I find joy. So I love Luke 2.10. Can we read this whole verse together? Are you ready? I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. My question is, are you experiencing joy this morning? Because Jesus is joy. This right here, this is the original Happy Meal. McDonald's stole it from Jesus right here. The answer to our joy problem is the gospel. The answer to our joy problem is found in Jesus. When we find joy in who Jesus is and be reminded that you are free, you are victorious, you don't have to wrestle with that stuff anymore, and there is victory on the other side, that's where our joy is found. Come on now. Where's your joy found? There's only one thing. Our joy tank is in our heart. We try to fill it with everything else that life throws at us. Material things. Drugs. Alcohol. Just relationships that we shouldn't be in. We try to fill it. That's going to fill me. That's going to fill me. Only Jesus Christ can fill that. What's your perspective? Praise team. We're going to have you guys come up at this time. You know, every Sunday I try to come up and preach the gospel, preach who Jesus is. And I, I think I preach with passion. You gotta turn to your neighbor and say, passion. I like it. You gotta do it again. Turn to your other neighbor, they didn't hear and say, passion. I preach with passion. Sometimes you get preaching so much you start sweating and spitting everywhere. You get your front row gotta wear like a raincoat or something. But I know something. Because I know who this Jesus is and I know the joy he's brought in my life and I can't help but get passionate and want you to experience the same joy of who Jesus is. I can't help it. Because I know that people in this life and this world are walking through pain and addiction and condemnation in their life and I know Jesus can set them free from all that and walk in victory in their life and I desperately want to see people do that. To walk from hopelessness to walking in life with hope and renewed vision for themselves. To walk in and say, this is why this heavenly father created me. This is my purpose. A passion. My question is, do we have a passion of the joy that we find in Jesus? Or do we come in here and go to work and, oh great, Monday's right around the corner. What's work going to do to me now? Tomorrow's going to bring enough worries. Worry about today and all what God's given you right now. Where's your joy found? Because the angels appeared in a huge announcement. I bring you good news of great joy. Are you experiencing that joy? Because that's who Jesus is. Jesus is joy. Let me pray for us this morning. God, I just want to take some time in this prayer just to focus on you. Just take a minute. Maybe confess some things to God that, man, you're searching for joy in all the wrong places and God's sitting there going, it's just found in me. Just take a minute between you and God. Are you really finding joy in him? Or are we searching the world trying to find happiness somewhere else?
God, we want to confess to you this morning. Corporately, that we all have done, we've all looked elsewhere. Pursuing happiness in all the wrong places. When we look all throughout your word, God, and we see we can never divorce Jesus and joy. It's a package deal. I pray for those of us this morning that have said, yeah, I've lost my sense of joy. I pray that you would just begin to speak and remind them of how free they are. That you call them a beloved son, a cherished daughter. Remind them that they are forgiven. Remind them that every morning you shower us with grace and mercy when we don't deserve it. Yet you look down and say, I love you. I love you, child. Today's a new day. My mercies are new. My grace is new today. And for those of us that have just walked with you a long time, Lord, I just pray we never lose that joy. We never lose it. And when we feel like we're slipping away and we're losing that joy, remind us who you are. Give us a spirit that's sensitive to it. And we pray one day as people continue to come through the doors of radiant life, that they can experience the same joy that we all have this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. My name is Brandon. I'm our community and next steps pastor. If you're visiting us this morning, I'm really glad you got to hear that message. Uh, we're going to change gears here for a second. We're going to receive our tithes and offerings. That's something that we do here at Radiant Life. If you're a guest, feel free to just let the plate pass you by. Radiant Lifers, that's that time to fill out that connection card at the bottom of the handout. If you are a guest this morning, we truly are uh, thankful uh, that you came and, and checked us out and, and to show our appreciation. If you would take your connection card and Head to our cafe, free drinks for you and your family. And we even have a little gift bag uh, just to continue to show our appreciation. Uh, we're going to sing a new song here in just a second. And there's this one, well, a couple of lines in this song I want to read out loud because they just, they resonate with me personally. And I really love this song. We've been jamming it at the office almost every day. And it's like a battle of who has the loudest speakers on the computer. But... Um, this one line says, released uh, from my chains, I'm a prisoner no more. My shame was a ransom he faithfully bore. He canceled my debt and he called me his friend. When death was arrested and my, la my life began. I remember that on September 22nd when I accepted Christ and I literally felt those chains gone. And us believers... We have to keep our eyes on that good news of what Jesus did for us. And so if we have a joy problem, let's focus on that gospel. Uh, ushers, you can come forward. I'm going to pray for an offering now. Father, thank you that we have this good news. Thank you that we can get up every morning with new mercies and that we can focus on you and this good news and what you did for us. That we don't have to walk around anymore with these chains, these burdens that we carry day in and day out. That we were not designed to carry those, but you came in and you took that load for us. And so, Father, man, we just say thank you. 
And so, Lord, we surrender every aspect of our lives over to you. Lord, thank you for the life transformation that is happening here at Radiant Life. And so, Father, would you give us wisdom and discernment with this offering. May we advance your kingdom and may your will be done. Jesus, we come humbly before you, but confidently, in the powerful name of Jesus, amen. Hi, everybody. I'm Pam Carey. I am the volunteer and events coordinator here at Radiant Life. But on top of that, I've also had the privilege to be asked to be the Come Alive uh, initiative director. And in celebration of our Reveal Sunday, Ryan asked that I just come up and kind of recognize some of the things that have happened since we started the journey. And um, you kind of forget some of the celebrations, some of the great things that have happened as you're busy just doing and doing and doing. But as I sat back and started to look at everything that's happened, um, it just really made me thankful and made me excited even more for what's about to happen here at Radiant Life. Some of the things that have happened, um, we've had, I mean, first off, we had a thousand people, over a thousand people here at Easter. We had baptisms, we had salvations. That was just amazing. Yeah. Um, and beyond that, you know, we've had people stepping up. We've had people within this church just stepping up to serve and to volunteer and just it's just been amazing, and um, I'm truly thankful for that. We've, we've had a women's Bible study kick off where we have over 40 people signed up. We have a men's Bible study that just kicked off. Pastors Josh and Ryan went to Sierra Leone to the Makui Village to um, start the partnership so that we can start doing missions, which, you know, the missions trips here within the church, which I'm super excited about. Um, I know I said more things last time. Oh, I'm really excited about the women's dance fitness ministry. We've had people come, you know, to be baptized through that. We have so many people that come to that that don't go to church here, which I think is amazing. That's just an amazing outreach. And as I sit there and I think about um, that thing, I think, you know, we have more space. We have more room to do more ministries, to invite more people in from the community and to reach more people. Because it's not about us here. It's about reaching everybody outside of here. And, and it's not just about a big building or an impressive building. It's how much more can we offer the community when we have more space and we have more room and, and just all that. So I'm really excited to see what God does with Come Alive. Um, you know, it's not over. This is not like the, the exclamation point on Come Alive. Like there's so much more to come. And so I just want to thank you guys for trusting the staff, for trusting God, for being faithful um, in what God laid on your hearts um, to do with Come Alive. And um, I, again, I just want to thank you guys for, um, for trusting us in this journey. And I can't wait to see what God does in the future. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I'm Josh. I'm the student ministries pastor. And I wanted to take a couple of minutes here just to celebrate our students' participation in this because they're excited about Come Alive as well. We challenged our students fifth through 12th grade to jump in and contribute and be part of this, and they've done that. In about a month, they've brought in, so far, over $400, uh, which, I mean, these are people that don't have jobs, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're bringing in birthday money. They're finding things they can do around their house or their neighborhood. They're finding ways to contribute. And we have kids coming. Their families don't even come to this church, but they, they'll come on Wednesday night, and they're bringing money. They're like, hey, we want to be part of this. We want to we build this thing. And we asked our younger students in, the, in Ignite, fifth and sixth grade, and said, hey, why are you excited? Why do you want to, you know, be part of Come Alive? I mean, and they were saying, man, like, I just want everybody in Sturgis to be able to come here to where then, hey, we'll see them in the week. And you say, hey, do you remember what Pastor Ryan said on Sunday? They're getting excited about this. We had one, and this was near and dear to my heart. They said, we need more room for Nerf Wars. 
I said, yes, yes we do. You know, so, but they get it, right? And, they're, and they're, they're jumping on. We challenged the older students, those in 7th through 12th grade, to fill out commitment cards. And, and we had students do that. They're, they're all in. They want to be part of this. And it's just been really exciting to see that. So thank you guys for leading by example. So the kids are saying, oh, hey, we want to be part of this too. Hey, what we don't know is realize how much time and effort Pam has put in as our Come Alive initiative director. So can we just thank her for all her energy that she's done? Well, we're going to reveal uh, how much faithful commitments that have come in in just a moment. But I want to remind you, when we had Commitment Sunday a couple weeks ago, uh, we had people come up and sign banners. And if you just didn't have that opportunity to sign a banner, they're still up front and you can sign them. Even if you're saying, you know what, financially I'm strapped, I didn't fill one out, but I'm going to faithfully pray through this. Come and sign those after service as well, okay? And as Pam said, this is not the end of it. This is a two-year journey, and for some of us, we didn't get commitment card. We're still wrestling. You can turn in another com a commitment card at any time over the next two years to jump on board in this, and you can grab those at the Welcome Center. There's commitment cards there, and we'll throw that in because uh, in order to do what we got to do, obviously, resources have to come in, and so we just are faithfully praying through God through this entire journey for God's blessing and just obedient risk in the midst of this, but... Now, are you ready to see how much we've raised this morning? Um, reminder is our goal from Enjoy Stewardship Solutions that helped us with our finances in this process. Our goal as a church body was to commit 600000 to the Come and Live initiative. So let's do the big reveal. Just shy of $1.1 million that you have faithfully committed to this Come Alive project. That's incredible. That's incredible. I had a pastor friend actually say, Ryan, uh, they're going through something similar as us using the same companies. They said, hey, can you give me some of your guys' commitments? And I'm like, no. <laughs> but uh, I'll be honest, full transparency, I was really scared with 600000 I really was. And then we took this 21-day spiritual journey over this all-in series, and God was just wrecking me. He says, God, uh, God was reminding me, Ryan, I have it. And then the Joshua, if you consecrate things to me, consecrate yourself, go all in, I'll do amazing things. And $1.1 million to me when I was scared of 600000 God blew that door wide open. So excited for more people just to hear who Jesus Christ is because of our faithful commitment to a come alive, that they can sing this song, that death was arrested, my life began. They remember the date that they came to Radiant Life and accepted who Jesus Christ was, chose to follow him, and we celebrate more baptisms. The back wall number, we have over 400. I haven't changed it yet. We're over 400 in the last two and a half years of first-time salvations. God is so good, and I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for being faithful when I was scared. <laughs> thank you for being obedient where God called us. Again, you can jump on board for the next two years. We'll give you updates. A lot of people have asked, hey, Ryan, when do we actually start giving now to this? Some have already been giving to the Come Alive initiative. We'll say officially today, uh, April 
15th, for the next two years, we'll be giving and start receiving everything. Because some say, well, how do my, I want to plan my finances out. And we'll say, hey, today's the day we launch Come Alive. So thank you. We'll continue to give updates and, and news probably every four to six weeks of stories and where we're at with this Come Alive initiative. And again, hop on at any time if you want. We still need prayer, right? Our bracelets, pray big, come alive. We need to pray big still, church.